We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Sam, the Phoenix Suns lost, or I should say, are losing to the Denver Nuggets because <laughs> we're recording this one with two two minutes and 27 seconds left in the fourth quarter as the Suns have now waved the white towel and got their asses handed to them by the Denver Nuggets in Denver to go down 2-3 to the Nuggets. How are you doing? Yeah, 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 whatever. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> this is uh, something we've done a handful of times over the years, dude. It's never a good sign when we hit the record button before the game officially ends. <laughs> <laughs> because in the event where the Suns have a blowout win, we kind of try and soak in the atmosphere of the win. You watch everything, even if it's blowout blowout basketball. You want to take in the post-game interview, see who's talking to whatever. It's national broadcast. Everyone's having fun. When it's a blowout loss... Yeah, sometimes it ends up like this. We we start recording a little bit early. Yeah, I don't think there's it a sucks. lot to learn from the last four minutes of this game, that's for sure. Yeah, honest, honestly, I was surprised we waited so long to do it in the first place, and it just sucks. The series is not over, but the stats are what they are. The team that wins game five, I think this is what they threw out on the broadcast, goes yeah. on to win the series like 80% of the time. Yeah, winning games um, really helps you win the series usually. Yeah, so they say. So they say, apparently. Um, look, we've seen the Suns take care of business two straight games uh, at home, and now they go back home for a pivotal game six. I'm excited for game six, yeah. but obviously, like, you just to have your ass kicked like this sucked. They were six-point underdogs going mm-hmm. into this game. I was skeptical of, of a lot of things going into this game, uh, in particular if they would be able to sustain the bench production they got in game four. They got over 40 points. For the bench, uh, role players notoriously play worse on the road. But as it turned out, I mean, that was one of the issues here. But it wasn't even, maybe didn't even crack the top five yeah. of what the yeah. actual issues uh, ended up being for well, the team. On the other side of that, role players playing better at home. Bruce Brown was incredible <laughs> for them, 25 points. Uh, you know, second best scorer on the team tonight. I'm sure he's putting some extra points on the board here at the end of this game. Uh, but he was amazing. And, and yeah, and ultimately, when it comes to the Suns winning game four, 
it took a it took a Shamit game to win. And uh, in order to win, continue to win games, it would have taken that. But even something as simple as Shamit scoring 18 points or whatever he did wouldn't have done it in this one because the story of the game is essentially the Suns played well in the first half. And I think they really uh, held the Nuggets to only 17 points in the second quarter. And the Nuggets came back and scored 39 in the second. And they showed no signs of slowing down. It was, I think, the third game in a row where... They just went to that pick and roll in the third quarter on DeAndre and then whoever was on Jamal Murray. And in this game, Landry Shamit started the game uh, in the second half. And it just created great shots over and over and over and over again. And they do a good job of running actions before that handoff or that pick and roll in order to make the Suns in rotation once it already starts. And they just they get good shots out of it over and over and over again. And that, to me, that third quarter stretch mm-hmm. where they couldn't do anything that was the game. Yeah, yeah, it was the game. And again, another reason why it sucks because the Suns went down 15 in the first half, put in a lot of work to get themselves back into the game. So much of this series, in terms of how the team came out just playing so flat in the third quarter, feels like every game this series has kind of been dictated by transition. Um, And you hear both coaches just talk constantly about transition and how both of them are just challenging each of their respective squads to pick up the pace. I feel like that's where it really started for Denver. In that third quarter, they had 31 points. Again, these stats are not final because the game isn't even <laughs> over yet. But as, as of the time of uh, of recording, Denver, 31 fast break points, Phoenix, 21. And after so much was made in games three of, and, and four of, oh, campaign starting now, look at how the pace has increased. Mm. Look at how the, the transition possessions, uh, the frequency has increased for Phoenix. Denver made it a point to come out and, and kick our ass in that regard tonight and pick up the pace themselves. And once they had gotten some momentum there in the third quarter, that's when really they kind of broke our spirit a little bit and could get anything they wanted in the half court with the two-man game between Jokic and, and Murray as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it just... it When it rains, it pours, dude. It was all sorts of things. It, I mean, should we talk about the, the absolute stinker that was Kevin Durant's game for the most part, yeah. <laughs> as well. Like um, you, I, just, you can't, you can't win with him playing like that. You can't, and it's the third time he's played like that in Denver. Um, Thirty-one fast break points for the Nuggets and twenty-three for the Suns. Believe it or not, that's actually the first time the Nuggets won in the fast break points in this uh, series. The Suns have won every single game fast break points so far until this one. And, you know, it's a sign of defensive uh, breakdowns. Often the cross matches being tough. Denver trying different things defensively on the Suns made the cross matches particularly tough for the Suns at times. Uh, but yeah, that was um, that's something the Suns can't do. They have to if they're going to give it up, which they shouldn't. Right? They have to get back in transition as much as possible. Specifically, Michael Porter Jr. had four threes in the first quarter. If you're going to give it up like that, you have to give it back, and they weren't really doing that. Um, Kevin Durant. 10 for 24, 26 points, 7 assists, 11 rebounds, 5 turnovers. Again, 5 turnovers. I I just, I don't really know what to say because, like, so much of this series comes down to if he's otherworldly or not. Because, like, this is a good game stat-wise, but it's not to Kevin Durant's standards. And that's kind of what happens when your team is based so much around two players that those players have to play well in order for uh, the team to actually win. By the way, the Suns only lost by 16 points. <laughs> 118-102, final score here. Um, Amazing. But uh, 
you need Kevin Durant to be otherworldly, and he was good. And it's it's tough. It's a tough situation for him to be in. It's tough for Devin Booker, who we can talk about in a minute. But for the Suns, those two guys have to be incredible. And if they're not, they're probably going to lose. I wanted to ask you about Durant. He did pick it up a little bit. I think he started one for eight, and then he started making some tough shots. Again, they got back into the game before the wheels fell off in the third quarter. Um, How do you feel, though, about the way, even when things were going well in this game, about Kevin Durant's usage on offense right now? Because I have some qualms and, and I have some problems with the way things were going um, in that regard. It just, it felt to me like he obviously, it was a night where he obviously didn't have it, um, at least not to that expectation, uh, the the typical expectation. And they just kind of kept trying to, to, they were forcing it through him in a way that I didn't like. But I want your take on that too. Well, you know, we talked about in the last podcast that in order for this team to, to be good, sometimes these guys have to force shots. And uh, so I'm not going to, completely go at him for that but I do think and I think this is something you talked about during this game I talked about during the last game on Twitter online um and that's just it's just a lot of isolations with him it's it's a lot and it just it feels like a miss I know he's Kevin Durant but it just feels like a misuse to me of what he can do like I know like you might see Christian Brown in front of you or whatever and think like oh that's that's a mismatch for for me, I'm Kevin Durant. I can take him one-on-one. But he's just, especially the, the the thing that pissed me off so much about it was just the way that the officials were calling this game. Right. It felt like Booker got to the free throw line so easily in this game. And, and Durant still finished with nine free throws. But the way they were calling it, it felt like if he just got downhill a little bit more and if they tried to run some actions that got him a little bit of separation first, like this felt like a game to me where Durant could have lived at the free throw line. Like he could have had 16, 18 free throw attempts. And instead he was settling for all of these one-on-one jumpers trying to get himself going, but he just, he didn't have it. So it was like, to me, I was like, make the adjustment, do something else with the offense uh, with KD. And it, it didn't come. I think, and and this is the case regardless isolation or if they're trying to run the offense in an, in a relatively normal way. When that happens, they just ignore everyone else. They focus all their attention on Booker and KD. And, you know, I guess in some respects, if he can find a way to isolate and it's one-on-one defense, that might be the best shot he's going to get. And I think you're right. I think they had trouble stopping guys in the first half from getting to the rim and they were fouling a little too much. And maybe they could have tried it a little more in this game than they they did in previous games. Well, specifically KD. Because that's when he's had his best offense, when he's getting downhill. Uh, you know, and admittedly, every time he falls onto the ground, I hold my breath until he stands up uh, because he's 34 or whatever, 35. And you just have to think about that with players like him. So maybe there's some level of, of keeping his body safe in those plays. But yeah, it's just a lot. I think when you look down at the defender and you say, I got this one on one, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, it's a little tough. They still generate good offense when they double Kevin Durant. They do. Um, particularly when Devin Booker is not hurt. Because in this game, we should mention, the other story is Devin Booker 8 for 19. It's the first game where he's looked human. And he was 5 for 8 in the first half and had 19 points on 8 shots. Finished the game with 28 points on 19 shots. And so much of that came well all of the bad play after that came after he tweaked his ankle i don't know is it his ankle it was a weird injury 
uh, because he went up for a layup. Jeff Green kind of undercut his foot a little bit, and not on purpose, yep. I don't think, in any way. He was just no. going up, and Booker had his foot kicked out for the jump. And uh, he kind of twisted and landed weird and did not look right. He immediately sat down courtside to check on his foot. Um, you know, maybe had maybe made three, I think three shots after that. And that's it for the rest of the game was like three for did 11. It, I mean, he did have a couple of good looking threes at the very end, like once the game was already basically out of reach. Um, but there was a stretch in the middle where he was really struggling. He went like one for 10, one for 11 and at a certain point. In that stretch, they also put Aaron Gordon on him for a little bit. And I think um, that's something that they could do for for a bit in this game or in future games if they try to shut Devin Booker down because they did definitely try in the way that you said in the last podcast they did try to shut him down by throwing more doubles at him and then eventually switching Aaron Gordon onto him there was a point where I was at in the second half where because in the first half if if Kevin Durant was screening for Devin Booker they were just switching it the Nuggets Mm -hmm. and then KD would post up on KCP. They would send a second guy at KD off of Devin Booker with the third guy kind of in Devin Booker's space. They would swing the ball, get an open three on the other end. And it's hard to think. If they put Aaron Gordon on Devin Booker again, are they going to switch that again? Because if they are, Book is still getting whatever he wants out of you know on KCP. So... If they're going to do that or if they're going to trap, that might be the way to do it. If if Aaron Gordon ends up on Devin Booker again, you kind of have to use KD as a screener at that point. And yes, that ends up with Aaron Gordon back on KD, but it's still KCP on Devin Booker where Devin Booker has continued to get whatever he wants in that matchup. That's why they switched, right? That's why they put Aaron Gordon on him uh, in the second half. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that in the next game if they end up because I have a feeling they might start with Aaron Gordon on Devin Booker and try to see how physical they can be with him yeah well especially now you know if they sense a little bit of blood in the water in terms of how hobbled he is we're just gonna have to see if if Booker is not if Booker and KD are not sensational at home we kind of know how the story goes like they can do it but the the adjustment that Denver made this game also a lot that I really liked obviously we talked so much last game about how much the Suns spam double drag how much success um, they had out of it with with Booker playing the point the point guard role um, in this game Denver anytime I mean the Suns still tried to go to double drag a significant amount but anytime they did that uh, the it was usually Aaron Gordon being the first screen defender and they would have him jump out and hedge hedge hard onto Book so that he was not even able to get to Jokic who would be the second screen defender because ideally what Booker is trying to do in double drag is trying to drag. Jokic as far out as possible and really stress the help defender coming from the opposite corner so that maybe he has Aiton sealing inside for an easy pass or maybe he can skip a pass all the way to the opposite corner Um, but in this one they just they made sure to hedge hard on the first guy so that he couldn't even get around and turn the corner in the first place Uh, the Suns adjustment to that is that then Aiton can come up and flip the angle of the screen so then he re-screens onto Gordon and maybe Jokic is playing at the level. Maybe he's a little bit off balance and it kind of turns into more of a quasi drop and Booker can attack that. The problem is if Booker's a little bit hobbled and Aiton is rolling like a dipshit, then that's it just doesn't turn yeah. into anything for the Suns at that point. So, I, I mean, it was a really smart adjustment for Denver, I think. And, and the Suns didn't have a lot of success out of it. Certainly, basically none in the second half. Yeah, he's, and Booker was snaking, right? Because on that second screen... 
the 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 third defender, if you will, because there's two screeners, is kind of out of the action. And if Booker snakes, he tries to force Jokic to be the defender that's on him. And it worked really well in the first half. He got to the rim, he got some mid-range shots off, and even got a three out of that specific action that you're talking about. And I think they could still even get more out of that if they continue to try to put Jokic in the position to to make plays defensively. Jokic still, I think he did a pretty good job, you know, defensively overall. You you can say he's winning his matchup, but that doesn't mean much. Uh, I mean, like you said, Aiton is just... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, we got to talk about it again, right? Like, I know you're tired of talking about it, but minus 21, team low. What what did Jock Landell finish as? Jock Landell finished a a plus five. Which is where he was before those those final garbage time minutes, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, is Aiton... A forward-thinking person. I, I usually try not to go for like is character attacks. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just is, kidding. I, does he think about his future? I wonder because well, at this point, the first thing he ever said when he was drafted into the NBA was he wanted the second contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he said that a few years out. It was like four years of forward planning. Uh, he's got three years left on his second. Con- he got that second contract. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got three years left, and I wonder if it's dawning on him at this point that. A third contract, a third NBA contract for him, point blank, is not guaranteed. Like, the way he's playing and the way he has tarnished his reputation at the NBA level so quickly, we're not just talking about he's not living up to being a $30 million center. We're talking about, you could, like, literally, I know it's a meme, but you could be in China in 2026. Yeah. I think that's where we're at with the guy. <laughs> I Like, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I wonder if that dawns on him. That's all. Well, there's a chance that the next game that he plays for the Suns is the last one. Sure. And, it, and that's that's yeah. great. But like I'm saying even if he goes to other teams, you know, you talk to some other people around the league seem to be convinced that all he needs is the change of scenery and he'll be fine, but I don't know. I just I don't know. I talked to quite a few people that cover other teams. This is the most damage he's done to his reputation from people who don't watch the Suns by far. I mean, there's just a huge, bright, bright light on him right now. And, you know, Kevin Durant is struggling in this series for, I mean, more than half the games at this point. 
Devin Booker is exceeding all expectations in essentially every single way. And him, as the third highest paid player on the team, cannot be worse. I mean, he's one of the worst players in the NBA in the postseason. Um, Same and Dylan Brooks. And people can and see it. You know, it's not just us. It's not just Suns fans anymore where we get frustrated on the bad nights and then he plays one good game on TNT and it saves his reputation from people who watch other teams for the next three months. It's not that anymore. It's bad game after bad game after bad game. He is one of the main parts of their game plan to attack offensively and it works over and over and over again. And yes, the the perimeter players are struggling as well. But also, so, so much help has to come off the corners and from other guys because Aiton is way behind on a lot of these pick and rolls. And that ends up with a lot of threes. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad by it more than anything else because it, it's bad. I just, uh, you know, I didn't have a ton of confidence going into the playoffs because regardless of what people said about playoff Aiton or whatever, you know, we, we watched him all season long and we were just concerned with the level of effort. It, it was never consistent, but this is <laughs> beyond my lowest expectations of how it would turn out. And center is such a fickle position in the NBA. That's why I talk about, does he realize like he might not get the third contract? Like this is the position where there are so many seven foot guys who can walk into 10, 15 points and, and 10 rebounds. And they're, they're worthless <laughs> in the NBA. Those stats don't mean anything. We've yeah. seen it before. Yeah. Like he might be the next Greg Monroe. Yeah. Andre Drummond, yeah. you know, guys of this caliber who like at. Yeah, it's great if you're 22 years old and, and putting up that stat line and people think you might turn into something. But at a certain point, if you're not playing with the force that Monty Williams always talks about, people see it on this stage. You can't hide from it anymore. Yeah. And his time's running out, man. If he doesn't turn this around, I feel bad for him. But his time's running out, not just on the Suns, uh, this league. A bad game for Aiton, a bad game for Durant. <laughs> I mean, Durant much better, obviously. It's hard to compare those two. Uh, Josh Okogie probably maybe just shouldn't play anymore. I, it's tough yeah. because the worst stretch of the game was that third quarter when Shamit started. So I'm not sure that that's the solution either. Um, so he a bad, a bad game from Okogie. Not, not a lot of expectations for Okogie, but not a good game. Just a major, major misfire on my part to to anoint this a Josh Akogi series going into it. He's been he's been useless too. A, pr- a Sucks pretty to say. a pretty okay. still like him. Yeah, he, you know he plays with effort and everything. I still like him, but yeah, yeah. Landia was good again. I mean, especially in terms of the expectations that are applied to him, which are almost zero. Um, T.J. Warren was kind of okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I liked the TJ Warren minutes. I thought he played pretty good defense. He was uh, affecting guys, and, and there were times where he was switched out onto Jokic on the perimeter where I thought, this isn't terrible. It's You know, it's not Booker out there. It's not campaign out there. It's TJ Warren. He's pretty big, pretty strong, willing to get up into a guy's space and had some impact on there. Now, didn't make any three-point shots, and I think if he, if he continues to miss every three-point shot he takes – it's going to be a struggle to give him extra minutes in this series. Um, but he has, you know, that little off dribble closeout game where he shoots a falling down floater and it goes in. And if he can continue to do that, that would be helpful. I wouldn't be surprised to see his minutes go up even more in game six when the Suns are at home and he could actually play uh, better. What are your thoughts on uh, TJ? 
Yeah, I mean, I wish more of those shots had gone in, but I like the process in theory. It's just, is are more of those shots going to fall at home? That's what we need. It's it's him and Ross. Him and Ross have yeah. been... Uh, Ross was better tonight Three because he four. actually shot. Yeah. I think all four of those maybe were in the corner. Maybe one of them was from the wing, but regardless, the ones he were hitting, they were corner threes. I'd like to know I mean, uh, how much of those transition points came with Ross on the floor, though. It's how many the 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 defense of the, of the Nuggets points, transition points? Yeah, because well, and I mean, dude, yeah. The one thing the Nuggets, uh, I was going to bring this up, kind of in the the like minor bullet point notes I have, but uh, just they destroyed us with their cuts uh, all and like it's what the the Nuggets motion offense does, but like all of the split cut stuff and the Suns were switching all night to 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 try and get a hold of that, but we just could not. We we were late on every single every single one of those decisions essentially yeah. by just a few milliseconds, and a lot of those decisions come down to, yeah, guys like Terrence Ross, Landry Shamit struggled with some of those tonight too. They got to clean that. T.J. Warren, yeah, yeah. I mean, when TJ. the when the guys that you're playing off your bench are T.J. Warren, Landry Shamit, Terrence Ross, none of those guys are good at off ball defense. <laughs> you know, Shamit as the chaser, quote unquote. You can say it, but. Uh, you know, TJ Warren is pretty good when it, the ball slows down and it's as slow as possible. And I think you could even say Terrence Ross too. As soon as it gets a little faster, as soon as the decisions have to be made really quickly, TJ Warren, Terrence Ross both struggle. Landry Shamit does a little better, but has the most physical limitations of those three guys. And they still have to play them. And this is where we're at. You know, we've said this multiple, multiple games now. There's just no other options on this team. There are no guys who are good at both offense and defense. And without Chris Paul, which, by the way, we don't know. Maybe he's going to play the next game. I don't know if he should. <laughs> um, but Isn't that great? We we don't know, and even if we did know, we don't know if he should. That's <laughs> well, a, a really good place to be. I feel confident in that. I th- great. Well, let me just say this, because it is a point of conversation. They won two games, and people were saying maybe Chris Paul should come off the bench and not play at all. The Suns need more guys. They need more guys who are capable NBA players. If Chris Paul's healthy and can play, he should. If Chris Paul's not quite healthy, I don't think he should because, look, we're at the end of Chris Paul's career here. Something happening in this game could be the end of it. You know, I don't think it's worth it to risk something like that going forward. But the Suns need more guys. They would have been better in this game with Chris Paul. They would have been better in even the previous two games where they won with Chris Paul. In even the pace conversation, which it is faster, it's not much faster. They're not playing that much faster without Chris Paul. It's a little overblown. Yeah, I mean, it is faster, though. I think the bigger thing was, would Chris Paul have been playing all of the Landry Shamit minutes that Landry got in the fourth quarter of the last game where he hit all the corner threes. And yeah. Chris Paul have made those same threes. Yeah. I think that's a very legitimate counter argument. And, and I think in those cases, maybe you don't play Chris Paul to close games. I think that's actually I fair, but I, I think there's a difference agree. between saying we don't need more good players. No. Yeah, than, yeah. than well, saying, Hey, maybe the sun should play with shooters at the fourth quarter. If the game's close. And just the idea that like campaign has come in and now all of a sudden the pace is twice as fast. That's just not true. And he, and look, we're just, watching he barely Cam. plays. <laughs> we're watching Cam. I mean, Cam played 31 minutes and tonight. He had to. And by the way, some and of those came good. at the end. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he wasn't good. He wasn't. He just wasn't good. Yeah. 
So it's it's fucking tough, man. This supporting cast just kind of sucks. I mean, there's a lot of players. This is what's going to be hard about the offseason if they end up losing the series and making the difficult decisions. There are a lot of guys on this team that I'd be happy to have back on minimum contracts. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> but, you a know, lot but of guys? Like, a, de- a decent amount, oh, yeah. TJ Warren, Tory Craig. T- I mean, I'd be ha- yeah, I'd be happy Those to two have... Guys, yeah. Akogi, TJ Warren, Akogi, okay. Tory Craig, That's Jock Landale. Jock Landale, I'd be, okay. ha- be happy to have all those guys back on minimum contracts, but but the mid-tier players, I mean, when we've got $70 million combined going to Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Landry Shamit, that's the real issue, yeah. and that's that's where it's going to be a lot of fun as we get into our... I'm telling well, you, people, I'm telling you, folks, prepare The off-season's where every, I'm in my bag, yeah. I'm, unless oh, we I'm turn ready. it around. <laughs> unless we turn it around and win a championship and everything will be great and there will be no trades, I don't know, whatever. We're oh, talking about the be, other path here. DeAndre Ayton is playing his last season for the Phoenix Suns regardless of if they win a championship or not. It's going to be it's just, every I'm going to say that right now. We can just count on that. But... Let's just quickly just say this, though. Look, a sobering moment. I'm sorry. I'm always honest. You can't fault me for anything but that. If Devin Booker, if his ankle is impacting him in game six and he's not playing to the level that he was or close to the level that he was playing previously, it's probably a wrap, guys. It's 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 probably a wrap. So much of this team revolves around Devin Booker and Kevin Durant that he has to play at a level that essentially he's never reached before um, in order to win in these games. The Nuggets are too deep compared to the Suns, and it's a bad matchup outside of that. And and look, the reality of it is, if DeAndre Ayton was playing the way that we expected him to play in the previous two postseasons, in this one, it would be a different story. Yes, it would be a different story because things would be different. Maybe he'd have 20 points a game. Maybe he would slow Jokic down a tiny bit. Uh, but he's not. Uh, so outside of that, there's nobody else to step up here. Maybe Ross has 30 points out of the blue or TJ Warren has 20 and they can steal one. But outside of any expectations of something dramatic and surprising happening like that, they just need Devin Booker to be the guy that he's been and Kevin Durant to be the guy that he's been half of the time, less than half of the time. Um, Because that's, that's what it takes to win. And it's, it sucks because it's not great. It's not really great analysis here. And yes, maybe we could do a better job breaking down what plays work and what plays don't. But regardless of what they're running, Booker and Durant have to be amazing in order to win at this point. And uh, yeah, and maybe they can. And they'll force a game seven. And if they force a game seven, they have a chance to go to Denver and try to right any wrong from last season <laughs> against the Mavericks and, and make a statement there. Um, but it's going to be a tough, it's a, it's an uphill climb either way. They have yet to win in Denver and they have to win, you know, Denver has yet to win in Phoenix. They have a good chance still, especially if Devin Booker's healthy to win the next game here in Phoenix. And then, yeah, then we're covering another game seven, Sam. How do you feel about that? Let's, let's get to game seven first, but you know, it's not over till it's over. I'm excited for Thursday. I'll tell you, man, I have so many conflicting feelings about this team right now, but my emotional fan bond to Devin Booker has been strengthened so much over the past <laughs> nine or ten games. Yeah. So he's at the, the end best of the day, Phoenix I, Suns player ever. Right? We're there he's now. the best Suns player ever. We've been saying that all season long already. He's just he's there. I would run through a wall for that man. The rest of the team, we gotta have some tough conversations. But <laughs> well, let's KD let's get to back. game seven first. <laughs> all right, yes, we'll we'll be back after uh game six with another podcast. Hope it ends well. 
this series has been fun outside of this game so it would be nice to extend it as long as possible um yeah and we'll be back after then so thanks everyone for listening you've worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s-based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com aware terms apply